Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm Ryan Schockner along with Dr. Cheney Robinson. Hello, hello. Cheney, there is uh there's something about these track athletes, right? That they, you know, that has them jumping in and really making their mark in the name, image, and likeness space. And our next guest is part of that movement, right? So Sabrina Usberg, originally from California, from San Diego, and put down roots with her family in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, started her collegiate athletic career at Austin P, and recently transferred to Belmont, so the heart of Nashville, right? And she's a member of the track team. She's a fitness junkie. And I'll tell you what, if I'm on Music Row, I've seen some of her her fitness videos, right? If I'm on Music Row in Nashville and stuff goes down, I want Sabrina on my side, right? Uh, she not only pushes herself athletically and physically, but she's pushing the narrative of NIL and what it means for non-revenue athletes. So Sabrina, welcome to NIL Undressed. Hey guys, nice to be here. Glad to have you. Absolutely. All right, Sabrina, we're going to get to get to some rapid fire questions, kind Let's of step. get us started, you know, ease into it. So how did you get into track and your particular specialty? Yeah, it's it's an interesting story, though, because when you do track, it's no one's first main sport. It's really a side sport. And so when I first did track, it was my side sport. I used to play field hockey when I was in high school and being a freshman. I came from a track team of over 300 kids. So you only have one event group and you did one event. And so you had like the long distance people, the mid distance. And then in those groups, you had, you know, the one category. And so I used to run the one mile when I was a freshman. That was my thing, all into it. COVID hit. I started in CrossFit. You know, track is no longer a thing. And so I went to a gym behind the doors and I would do CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. I got stronger. And then while that was while I was in San Diego, I moved over to Chattanooga. Once I moved over, I was like, okay, I joined the track team there. Cause then by the time I got over there, it was about January. And so once spring track started, I had in my mind, like, okay, I am still a long distance runner. I'm going to do the mile. This is what I do. But I, I've been working out. I got stronger. I got a little bigger, got, got some muscle, nothing wrong with that. And so I told my coach the first day, I was like, Hey, I'm a one miler. I'm going to be your guys' best one miler. This is what I'm used to. And he looked at me. He was like, you don't look like a one miler, but you can try it out. So I said, okay. And he let me go run with the long distance kids. And we did three miles that day. I realized very quickly, I was not meant to be a one miler. I was, <laughs> I was out of breath. Everyone was like a mile and a half ahead of me. And this is only three miles. And I was like, oh my gosh, um, this, this is the warm-up and they're like yeah yeah we're gonna this is our warm-up we're gonna actually go run um this is the lowest distance ride we're gonna run three miles and I was I was so out of breath at three miles I'm like I cannot do this that's when I retired of being a long distance runner <laughs> and so after that my head coach was like I think you would be really good as a thrower I'm like okay I could I could try that out so he handed me over to our throwing coach coach Parks and he was like, okay, like, I'm going to teach you how to do shot put. I was like, awesome. And I was just naturally really good at shot put. It wasn't too hard. There's two different techniques that you can use to learn how to do shot put. You can do something called the glide, which is where you kind of, it's exactly as it sounds, you glide and you throw it. Or there's a rotational one where you can spin and you can throw the ball. And so you taught the easier one to glide. 
And I got the hang of it pretty good. And part of being a thrower is to have strength. And compared to lots of people in high school, like girls specifically, I was a lot stronger than them because I had that background in CrossFit. And so at meets, I would just naturally win a lot of them because I was just stronger than the girls. So I didn't have to have the best form. I was just bah, 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 muscling the ball over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just doing so good. And I ended up doing so well my first year that I actually ended up going to state and shot put. I played six in Tennessee. And I was like, wow, I'm low key good at this. And it was from the first year that Austin P State University scouted me because they saw me on the list of the top 10 girls in the state of Tennessee because Austin P's in Tennessee. And so they actually contacted me my senior year. They're like, hey, we saw what you did your junior year. Let's see how you do this year. And then we want to invite you to come over on a visit. I was like, wow, this is so awesome. But while I was doing throwing, I was also a multi-athlete. So if you don't know what the multi is, I do like the pentathlon. So it's high jump, long jump, the 800 meter shot put and the 800 meter. Wait, I repeated one of them, but you you get the idea. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I did shot put, but then I also did all the other events because I did have that background in CrossFit. So because I was a very versatile athlete, my coach was like, okay, you can do all that. Because I went from a team of 300 to now we only have 30 kids. So we don't have enough kids to fill all those different spots. So I was able to have all this different experience. And so when I went to college, my coach was like, okay, you're going to be a thrower this first year. Then the next year, we're going to make you a multi. I was like, oh, I don't know about that, but we can try that out. But it was really cool because originally I wasn't going to go to Austin P. I was actually going to go to Tennessee Tech. Because as I mentioned, I had that background in CrossFit. And if you don't know, there's this gym called CrossFit Mayhem five minutes away from Tennessee Tech. And this is the gym to go to. This is the world's biggest CrossFit gym. Right in right in the, the little area of Cookville, Tennessee, where there's nothing else, but you have CrossFit. And yep. because I was a CrossFit fanatic, you either love the sport, like a diehard fan, or you don't like it at all. It's there's one of the between. other. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to CrossFit Games. Track was just something I did in high school. But then out of nowhere, Austin P just contacted me. And this is why I was looking for housing at Tennessee Tech. Like I was already committed to the school and all that. I wasn't looking at any other schools. Yeah. And then Austin P contacts me. They're like, hey, like you should come on a visit. I'm like, okay, like there's no harm in doing that. I'll let them roll out the red carpet for me. That sounds awesome. And so I go on a visit. And I really liked the school. I was like, okay, these are really nice people. I love the staff, love the community. And so I was like, maybe, you know what, I'll go here. Because they're offering me a scholarship. I wasn't going to do track at Tennessee Tech. But here, you know, wherever they pay for your schooling, it's not like you're going to say no. Right. And so I've been rolling to Austin P. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And from there, um, as I mentioned, I am transferring to Belmont. I had a little situation at the end of the year where my throwing coach actually quit. And I was like, what? I had no idea why my head coach just called me. And she was like, hey, um, he left. We're not going to get a new coach. And it would be in your best interest to enter the, the transfer portal because the whole throwing program at the school is gone now. And I was oh, like, wow. wow, who would have thought? And so yeah. I was schoolless for a little bit. I was basically homeless. And Belmont reached out to me or more, more so I reached out to them. And they, they responded and I was like, okay, 
this seems like a really great school. Cause one of my friends, she currently goes there. She recommended I reach out to them as a joke. And I was like, haha, like maybe I should reach out to Belmont. And then it wasn't a joke anymore. I was like, okay, I like the school. I'm a, I really yeah. want to go. And the coach like me, I went on a visit. I met some of the team and I've competed against them before. So I know some of the throwers and I was like, wow, they seem like they get along really well. They have a very awesome family dynamic. I really want to be a part of this environment. And so based off what I've seen of how they've interacted and from the interactions I've had with them, I was like, this is a school for me. So I committed to Belmont and that's where I am going to be going this fall. Awesome. Now, so you haven't spent a whole lot of time in Nashville, but the time that you have been there, have you found a, a campus restaurant that was like, this is, this is going to, I know this is going to be my go-to place when I'm on campus full time. And if you so, know, what is that? There's this one place I was really into. What are those little things where it's not like sushi, but like sushi in a bowl? Do you know what those are called? Uh, like the acai yeah, or something po- like that. Poke bowl. No. Oh, poke bowl. Yeah. There's oh. a poke bowl place. I don't remember the name of it, but one of my friends from Vanderbilt, she took me there and she's like, you're going to love this place. And now I love it. Like pokey is so good. And they have so many different foods. I heard the hot chicken is really good over there. I'm personally a fan of their ice cream. I think all the foods are good. I'm really excited to go try lots of different stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sabrina, so many times athletes that that get an opportunity to play at the next level, it may not be their favorite sport, but it's it's their best sport. So is track your is it your favorite sport? And I know you've alluded to field hockey, but was track your favorite? And if not, what was your favorite? What is your favorite? And and why is that? I would say it comes and goes what's my favorite. I think athletes have seasons or waves of what they really like to enjoy. Like for me, before I went to college, I was really into Olympic weightlifting. That was my thing. I stopped doing CrossFit. I was focused on it. I was actually training for the Tennessee State Championships for weightlifting, which I ended up winning. And I became the Tennessee state champion for weightlifting in 2022. And I was like, okay, like this is who I am. And when I went to college, I actually had quite an identity crisis to say with who I was, because you connect yourself to one sport. You're like, okay, I am just this one sport. But because I grew up playing multiple sports, I didn't know which one to connect myself with. Yeah. Because I said track, track was like a side sport for me. And so I had this fitness account that I was really trying to grow in high school. And so on my fitness account, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a gym rat. I'm a gym rat. I go to the gym. That's what I do. And I go to college and now I'm a thrower. And I had a hard time connecting to be like, okay, like I'm a thrower. I was a little embarrassed to say that at first because I wasn't used to saying that. And so I'm like, okay, people ask me what I do. I'm like, oh, I'm a gym rat. I'm a gym rat. And then slowly, as I started to really enjoy throwing, I was like, okay, like I'm a thrower. I started to post more throwing content, more track and field stuff. And then I was like, I I became more comfortable with that side of me that of being a track athlete. So as time went on, I would say that now I really do enjoy track, but I have like a special place in my heart for Olympic weightlifting. There you go. That's very cool. And I think you hit it. I mean, you, you, as you go through life, you're going to evolve, right? And Mm -hmm. you can't tie your identity to, to one thing because it's not just one thing that makes up who we are. It's, it's combinations of a bunch of different stuff. And uh, so it's great that you were able to learn that lesson 
early because there's a lot of athletes that don't learn that lesson until they're done with their sport and they struggle and they're trying to figure out who that is while they're trying to live, you know, live life. Right. And I totally agree with that because I went through something also similar to that when I was younger, when I used to do long distance, like cross country, I was the best girl in my middle school league. I was projected in seventh grade to win like the eighth grade year and stuff. But then I ended up breaking my leg and that took me out of the season. And I went from putting my whole heart and soul, this is what I do every day training to now, oh my gosh, I'm injured. And what not a lot of people will go through is like a crucial injury. And where it's like, okay, it's, it's not talked about often enough in the athletic world, what's like going through an injury and finding your identity. Because as we're talking about identity, like in student athletes, is you've realized you're more than just your sport. And I learned that at an early age. So as I continue yeah. to evolve and grow up, I was like, okay, I love this sport, but I have to be careful not to go through that again, that it's not like my whole world crumbles down when something happens. Because what if something does happen? You can't stop injuries. Like they are part of life and it, it may happen. It may not, but you have to be aware of like how you're going to handle that situation. Absolutely. Yep. So you mentioned a little bit about how you ended up at Austin P, right? And and then you and how you ended up transferring and and went through the transfer portal. So tell us a little bit about going through that transfer portal. Um, and because you mentioned homeless, right? And we've talked to other athletes, uh, Ruben Banks down at University of Alabama, who ironically is a is a thrower, um, and and he went from Arkansas to Alabama. But he had that time period where, like you mentioned, you were homeless, right? Tell us about your experience going through the portal, um, things that you did that you were happy you did, things that you wish you maybe would have done differently as a roadmap for some athletes that are um, either thinking about it or or are currently in their portal. Yeah, so it's very interesting because when I was in the transfer portal, it was very late in the season for the field, the, the sport of track and field. When you want to be in the transfer portal to transfer for that sport, it's more like in March. And so when I was in it, it was probably the end of May. And so at that time, I was worried. Even my old head coach was worried because she said, I don't, you want to make sure you start reaching out to schools right away because they might not even have scholarships left. And so, you know, when you're in the transfer portal, obviously the time frame you are in there is also crucial. But for me, like I didn't have a choice when I entered it, it was my only option. And so one of the biggest things I learned was I thought the transfer portal was like this website that you go shopping for your schools. And I, I was like, this sounds so cool. You go through, you, you click which schools you want to apply to, and that's how it works. But then I learned that's not how it is at all. Yeah. Because then you learn that it's like, okay, you actually have to do all the hard work. You have to go reach out to schools, find their emails, find out if you're able to qualify for the school. One of the great resources for me for track specifically was this website called runcrew.com. And what it does is you can search up different schools and it'll show you what their different marks or distances or times that you need to make to make like the walk-on, to make a recruit, to make a scholarship for like, division one to division three school. And I was like, okay, like this is really helpful because then why would I apply to the school if I didn't even make it to apply like for scholarship wise, you know? So I look at like bigger schools. Cause when I was applying to schools, I was applying to every school I could think of. 
off the top of my head to schools I, I didn't even know the name of. I was like, okay, I don't know the school, but I make the marks. I would make a scholarship and look good. And obviously I wanted to stay D1 because it, it kind of sucked to go back down. It's like, oh, okay, I had this great year. I was D1, then I have to go down to D2. But I, I'm, I was blessed to be able to stay at that level. But one of the things that helped me the most was reaching out to other people who have been in the transfer portal. Because one of the things I struggled with was writing the email to coaches. I think that's the most crucial part in starting that connection with coaches. And I didn't know how to write the email. I didn't know what to say, how to caption it so that when they read the email, it'll captivate them to open it. And so I had a friend that she she's at Belmont now. She plays softball. And she was helping me through that process of like, okay, these are things that you should write that I wrote that helped me get to a new school. And so just things like, oh, like what you do, how, well, why you're transferring, just little things like that really helped me. And just having people that know what they're doing helped guide me through it. Very cool. So in your transfer decision, right, did NIL play into that, um, you know, selecting to go to Belmont? And if so, in, in what capacity did it play? We want to thank our sponsor, Success Beyond Game Day. For many athletes, the last safe place was the locker room. They could be themselves and not be judged. Success Beyond Game Day creates a locker room community for athlete development. Partnering with individual athletes, high schools, athletic departments, college and pro teams on building their brands, understanding name, image, and likeness, how to get deals, and personal finance, all while leveraging a proprietary assessment that identifies core skills that athletes can leverage to create a competitive advantage, all while creating an environment where athletes can connect to push each other to greatness. Check it out at www.successbeyondgameday.com. I would say for the school I'm going to, it's still brand new. There's so many schools that have not really embraced NIL. And I would say Belmont's one of them that has a lot of potential to, but isn't fully into it. After going to the NIL Summit in Atlanta and learning what these other schools are doing to really captivate on it, I'm like, wow, there's so much that we can do to help improve this experience for students so that they can really get the most out of it. And I would say for me, I handle all my NIL deals myself. I'm the one reaching out to companies and brands and talking to them. So for me, no, the school did not have any influence on it. But I think the location did because it is Nashville is a huge place where you have so many different opportunities. And part of what I want to do, I'm majoring in sports administration. I want to work with different sports teams. And so what better place than Nashville, really? Because you have like three D1 schools. You have Vanderbilt, Lipscomb, Belmont. You have the National Predators. You have a whole soccer team. You have all these events always happening in Nashville. It was just the perfect place for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's understated too much, right? That that athletes look at the size of the school. Um, you know, are they a power five as they're you know, way to get NIL opportunities. And what we've learned from working with brands and talking to other athletes that that these brands don't really care what sport you're in, um, if you're male, female, what division you're in, they want a return on investment. And so it may be where you say, hey, I might have some more playing time or get a better opportunity at a non-power five school that's in a 
uh, hub like Nashville, that's in a big city that's got a lot of growth going on, that may actually get me more opportunities than going to a power five um, with maybe limited playing time just because it's that power five. Right. Because I know recently at Tennessee, like, you know, the University of Tennessee, they just had budget cuts for scholarships. So you have all these big athletes that everyone knows of leaving because, you know, now their scholarships are getting cut. It's like, well, why go there if you have even the top athletes leaving? And so it's definitely a better opportunity. And it is a little bit of a smaller school. It's about the same size of the school I came from, about 10,000 students. But for me personally, it was, it was more than just what NIL could do for me. It was about the other factors of how it could help me grow as a person. Awesome. Nice. So, Sabrina, you've you've made some adjustments um, <laughs> in your life and pretty recently, West Coast to East Coast, going through the transfer portal, basically having your dream of playing college athletics and, and being on the track team kind of ripped out from underneath you. What was the biggest adjustment that you saw that you needed to make? And it's kind of a three-parter going from high school to college, right? Athletically, academically, and socially. Yeah. For me, I think I would honestly say not to like boost my ego too much, but I was a bit ahead of the curve. I'm, I would say I'm an extreme extrovert. And so I already practice all the skills I'm using in college and high school, you know, talking to people, meeting new people, coming from a place where it's like, okay, I'm moving to a new school. I went to two different high schools. I was used to going to this new school, like trying to meet new people. And so I'm ready in that mindset. It's like, who can I meet? Who can I talk to? So socially, it was so awesome for me. I love college. I love all the freedom that comes with it. Just you meet one person, you have one conversation with them, and you're automatically friends. I thought that was so awesome. And just being able to meet all these different connections and know that it's a lot deeper than just, okay, I'm meeting someone, but also be like, okay, these are people that I might be long-term friends with. These are people that could help me in the future. These are people I should connect with on LinkedIn. Maybe we'll, part, we'll connect with somehow in the future, watch us like have the same job or something or work together. And so socially, it's been awesome meeting so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Because when you ask people, it's like, oh, why are you going to this school? Not everyone's from that school and learning more about them. One of the things I love the most was meeting all the international students. Because on our team, we had quite a few international students from the Netherlands, Sweden, the Virgin Islands, all these different places. So learning about different people's ways of life was super interesting for me because it just expands your bubble. And you're like, wow, you live like this and this. is It's just so awesome to learn how other people live. Academically, I would say I was just so happy to be an athlete because you have so many different benefits that being a non-student would not grant you. For example, we had our own tutoring center. And so we have all the free tutoring. You have people help you with your homework. It's like, hey, like I need you to help read my paper. And you just have a person there. You don't have to go a lot of time. You just had someone there. You had free printing. We had our own student acad academic advisor. So they would help us make sure our classes line up with our different practice schedules. So if there was this class you needed, they'll make sure they'll slip you into that class, help you out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I love the perks of being an athlete at my <laughs> other school. I also had my own personal chef. I was like, this is, this is bougie galore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was an athlete, I would not be getting that, but I was, <laughs> I was thankful. Um, academically, not academically, academically, I did pretty good. I ended up 
uh, ending the year with the 3.9, which I was very happy with. Congratulations. I'm also a communications major, so I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But athletically, I think the biggest challenge was learning a new coaching style. I came from knowing I had two different coaches. I had my Olympic lifting coach and I had my high school throwing coach. The way they coached me was extremely different from how my college coach coached me. My college coach was, he was Jamaican. So in Jamaica, track and field is your life. And so he was extremely passionate about it. He also had a military background. So he was a lot more stricter about it. And so I had a really hard time adjusting with this new coaching style, which is also part of the reason I left. I had a difficulty with the style because I, I'm the kind of person, okay, I need some good feedback. I need positivity. I need but like good reinforcement, but then it was completely different learning like, okay, it's a little bit more rigid here, which I didn't mind. I just had a hard time adjusting to. Yeah. And thank you for, for sharing all that. Now you went to the summit recently, right? In Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's the top three, four, 500 athletes in the country that, that have NIL deals. If you would, Can you share some of the deals that you have right now? Currently, I work with Halo Top Ice Cream. If you haven't heard of them, think of it like Ben and Jerry's, but the healthy version. And that tastes good. I am currently, I'm in the process still of hopefully working with First Forum, becoming an athlete for them. I've done a multiple side deals. I've worked with Fit Aid, which is a, Uh, supplemental beverage company. So it helps you with recovery. I worked with smaller brands like this one called Jawsercise, which is this little tool that you use to help strengthen your, your jaw. I've done like little deals like that. So. Awesome. That's awesome. So tell us about the summit, right? Because that's the, um, you know, we hear from athletes that have gone to it. It was the second one that they've done. We've heard from some of the organizers of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's from our experience in talking to athletes, it's not, NIL is not, uh, well, it's competitive. It's not the cutthroat competitive. It's the, you know, we want to collaborate. We want to inspire each other. And so tell us your takeaways and what you learned coming from, uh, this, this past summit a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I honestly thought it was such an awesome event. I actually almost didn't get to go because my the schools actually pay for you to go. So this how it works is that when people go there, the schools will invite them to go. They'll send out a link to them. You sign up for it, and then your school pays for you. Because I was in the transfer portal at the time that everyone was signing up for it, my yeah. school wouldn't pay for me. So I actually had to talk to the company that was putting it on. I explained to them my situation, and they actually ended up paying for my registration fee and then saying, hey, like you just have to like, find a way to get here, which Atlanta was only two hours away from me. So I was like, okay, this is no big deal because you have people flying into this event. So I was like, okay, very happy that I was able to go. And when I was talking to people, it was lots of people's first time. No one has ever, lots of the people I met have never been to an event like this. And I was interested to find out like there was quite a lot of people that I also met that weren't really big on NIL. Like they're just brand new to it. They don't, some people I met didn't really have a social media presence and they're just there to learn how to have one. Some people I met did have big social media presence. And it was awesome to see, like, see and talk to them like, Hey, like, what are you doing to help yourself grow? How are you getting these deals with companies? Oh, you have an agent. How'd you get an agent? 
And so being able to have those conversations was really cool. One of the things that I really enjoyed was having a whole bunch of different, I forgot what they were called, but then you had like the panels and then you'll have the conversations. And so they're all about an hour each. And it was just so cool learning from people who have been through things like this and their aspects of it. One of my favorites was talking to this panel of agents. And like you had one of these guys, he represented Cristiano, uh, Christian Ronaldo. He represented like all these Olympic athletes. And so coming from him, what he's looking for from athletes and being able to ask him as an agent different questions. I thought that was just so cool to be able to directly ask these people questions without needing like a filter. It's not like you're, nothing was off limits for them. Everyone was so open to answering questions and everyone at that event was just so happy to meet you. There wasn't a single person that I met that was like real, like rude. Everyone was so nice. And it was, it was very refreshing because it's like, wow, it's, it's just something that's different and that not a lot of people are used to. And it was interesting learning what these different schools have at their schools versus like the schools that I came from. Cause I learned how there's like these five different schools. I believe it was Clemson, all these different ones and what they're doing for their athletes. I was like, man, like how can I incorporate that to my school? And one of the biggest things they taught us was like, okay, equipping, equipping us with all this information so that we can go back to our schools and teach them. And what was interesting is that we were paired up with a roommate. So, cause it was cheaper that way. And so everyone had like this random roommate and the girl I was roomed up with, her name's Skylar and she's a rower at University of Virginia. And she was the only girl from her school there. And University from Virginia wow. is a pretty big school. And she was yeah. the only one. Yeah. And she was telling me how NIL is not really a big thing at her school yet. And I was like, wow, like you would think a big school like that would have more stuff like that. She was like, no, not yet, but I'm here to learn. I'm going to go back with them, to them and like teach them all the stuff that I've I've learned here. It's going to be awesome. I was like, wow, you go, girl. That's so cool. And just meeting people. It was also cool just to meet like celebrities because even though some of the students there were celebrities themselves, it was so cool to have like fangirl moments. Like I met Flage and that was such a highlight for me because I'm like, wow, it's, it's Flage, guys. You, you had to meet her. And I, I took a picture with her. I was just so happy. I was like, wow. I mean, people that I followed on social media for forever. And then I'm meeting these people in real life. It's like, these are people, some of them I've been following for quite some time. I'm like, like, man, I'm meeting you. You're on the same level as me. It's not like I'm putting you on this pedestal. You're, right. you're the same person as me. Yeah. So it's cool meeting people like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what really we found with NIL, right? Because we're, we're really on that athlete development and, and that side of it. And it's creating the platform that's kind of like a locker room, right? where everyone's on the same level, where where the athletes can collaborate, where they can communicate, share ideas, because, you know, historically in, in college athletics, it's been, you know, the, the professors, the athletic departments that are teaching the athletes things. And with NIL and the social media, it's now where the athletes can add value and teach the universities things and how to, you know, navigate in this world. And so it's kind of flipped uh, in, in many respects, right? But it's flipped college athletics upside down. And, you know, finally now entering year three, we're starting to see some of, um, you know, some of the athletic departments and we've seen the athletes the whole time collaborating, but now some of the athletic departments that have questions reaching out 
and and having that community aspect of how are you handling this and um to benefit the the athlete so that's really cool that that event second year that that the event has has been held that um it's just really it's a cool platform for athletes to to collaborate for sure and to add on to that they also had the people who were the ni people at the schools come to the event like the guy at my school his name was Connor and he came to the event. He does all our NIL stuff. So you had those representatives from the school and they had their own training. So you had all the athletes together learning, but then behind the scenes, you had all these other people learning their own thing too. And so I thought that was cool. They're teaching them their own thing. So it wasn't just the athletes learning. Right. Yeah. Very cool. So we've, we've heard some of the successes you've had, right? And oftentimes we, we learn more through failures. Tell us about what you've learned from some of the deals that didn't end up happening for you? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things I learned is that don't accept every deal that comes your way because it's so tempting to just want to make money. But then you have to realize that NIL is more a long-term game. It's not just, okay, I want to make a quick buck. You actually have to be invested in it and want to pursue it for longer than just a short period of time because there are some brands that have reached out to me I'm like it looks cool but I'm not what my core values are do not align with theirs and so for me to promote it just wouldn't be the same thing because I accepted this one thing with Robeck or Roback athletes it's like a golfing brand I'm not a golfer at any means like (laughs) by all and so like lots of this stuff that they sell is more you know, country club vibes. And I don't even wear country clothes. I don't wear polos or any of that stuff. I'm promoting this brand. I'm like, this is, doesn't make any sense. It's just so out of context for me. And so learning from that, I'm like, why would I do something like that? You want to be able to promote stuff that you're actually passionate about. And part of, especially social media these days, authenticity. Lots of people want that now. And if you aren't authentic, it's almost like you're being fake on social media. And people don't really like that these days. And so it's, it's yep. cool that Authenticity is trending, but you have to also keep that consistent with your audience. So if I'm promoting something that doesn't align with me, it's like, okay, why are you doing that? That's fake. And so yeah, yeah you lose your audience's attention when you do that. And so being able to promote things that align with you and your values. Like for me, I want to work with First Forum and they really give back to their community. They connect with people. It's like, you know, that's what I'm all about. So it makes sense for me to promote them. Like it wouldn't make sense for me to promote a heels company. It just, no, I'm not, I'm not wearing heels every day. Like, yes, I wear that occasionally, but it's not something I'm regularly feeding my audience. You're right. So I need to connect with what you're giving. Because one of the things I also learned at the summit was that when brands are looking to connect with you, they're looking to see what you're already doing. You know, how is their brand going to look on your feed? What are you currently creating that they could see themselves in your how it's going to look. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't don't see that brand looking like that. So (laughs) you have to be able to say no. And it's powerful to be able to use that word and actually mean it. Absolutely. Let's since we're on the topic of brands, let's for all the businesses and brands that are listening right now, give us a Sabrina commercial, right? Why do they want to work with you? Oh, for me, <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's hear him. <laughs> um, yeah, for all the brands listening. Hi, I'm Sabrina. Nice to meet you. I am a division one thrower. 
And not only am I a thrower, I'm also a fitness guru. I'm very passionate about helping my community. And I want to align with a brand that actually loves giving back to people who cares about their audience. And not only will I do a great job promoting your product, I will do it authentically, if that is a word. But that is, that is me. I'm very excited to work with people. I'm very flexible. I can't wait to at least have a conversation with you in the future. Awesome. Sabrina, you are amazing. Thank you for spending some time with us. It was awesome talking to you guys. Really cool dude. And for all our listeners, we thank you for joining us on NIL Undressed. As always, every like, subscribe, and share is greatly appreciated.